Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another week of the United States Sports Show Football Edition. Uh, my name is Joe Marchalina, and joining me again uh, this week is former football coach in the Granite State, Mike Lockman. Mike, how are you doing? Doing great tonight, Joe. Thanks. Uh, so, as always, you can send us your questions and feedback by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com or on Twitter. Twitter. Oh, yeah, there we go. Off to a good start. Uh, at <laughs> NHHS Sports. <laughs> Uh, you can listen to the show normally on Tuesday mornings at nh-highschoolsports.com. Uh, we, we are a day late this week um, just because of some uh, some scheduling uh, issues. Um, on my end, there was a, uh, a one of the field hockey championship games got pushed back to, to Monday night, so I was up there, and we tried to figure out if we could, uh, we could squeeze this in before or after, and uh, just didn't work out, so here we are uh, recording this on a Tuesday night. Uh, you're listening to this uh, Wednesday morning or sometime thereafter, and we are, believe it or not, going to be talking about playoffs. Uh, and I'm not kidding you. Can you believe that we are here already? That this is uh, we are we are getting ready for playoffs. You know, I I, I will say this. Uh, I was driving home after dropping off football equipment for my son who played um, sort of like the fourth, fifth grade level. And uh, as a fourth grader, even he looked at me on the way there. I, I said, I said, can you believe it's all over and we're bringing the equipment back? And he said, I can't believe how fast it goes. <laughs> yeah. That's my, my little fourth grade son who has never played tackle football before. And I, I, I it was really a kind of a, an interesting moment, right? Cause I, I smiled at him as we were driving and I said, I said, I said, Hey, I said, remember what you just said. I said, there are a lot of players who don't recognize that fact until they get a lot older, even sometimes until they're seniors in high school. I said, and that one realization, the earlier you make it, the more it helps you appreciate and enjoy every moment of these seasons as it goes. So that's a really long-winded answer that you probably didn't expect me to know as to whether I can believe we're here yet or not. But uh, it's like I've said in years past, it, it goes so fast. Right. And, uh, and you know, it, I think that's part of what makes it special is that it, it is so finite, you know, and, and it's not one of these sports where, like, you can go play spring football or, you know, whatever, right? Like a lot of these other sports have other versions that you can go play or other leagues, right? It's like football, tackle football, that's it. You got right. your yeah, yeah. Your eight or nine weeks of a regular season, two or three weeks of a playoff season, and it's done, and it's done either forever if you're a senior or it's done until all the way next year if not. So um, you got to enjoy it. But, yeah, it, it's, it, it's gone by as quick as it has in the past few years, it seems. It just keeps getting quicker. So you, it sounds like you handled that answer probably better than I would have. I probably would have patted him on the leg and said, yeah, it only gets worse from here. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, thank God it's over, right? <laughs> oh, I meant, I meant the time flying by. Like, it's only going to get worse from here. The next thing you know, you're going to wake up and, and be 40 and, uh, and, and uh, you know, wondering where the last 20 years went. Yeah, I didn't want to get too existential <laughs> with him. but uh... <laughs> Yeah, probably at least wait until sixth grade for that. Right. Uh, so yeah, but but before we get into our our kind of look ahead to the playoffs, uh, I did want to talk about a couple of games from this past weekend. Um, you know, with uh, with a couple of the game, or, or with only a, really a handful of game, games impacting uh, playoff scenarios. Uh, and for me, um, trying to cover field hockey as well. I, I and they again the scheduling kind of you know caused some trouble there with with some of the games getting pushed to Friday night. Um, I didn't see outside of scores. I didn't see too, too much other than the one game that I went to on Saturday, uh, between, um, Portsmouth Oyster River and Goffstown, uh, which was, I mean, it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. Um, <laughs> to, to be honest, you know, when I, when I heard what the forecast was going to be, knew that they were playing at Goffstown. Um, you know, you got two teams that run more of a, the, the open spread offenses. They like to throw the ball along with run the ball. They rely on some speed. I, I mean, all of these things are things that you don't want to do in a, a weather game on a muddy field. Um, and it was that's what it was. It was two teams trying to play a little bit more of a power running game out of a spread offense um, that don't normally play those kind of games. Um you know, but it and, and it took one big play, 
um, to kind of swing momentum, change field position. Uh, Goffstown blocked a punt late in the third quarter, turned it into a touchdown, and won 6 nothing. Um, yeah. And, I mean, that's kind of the – I hate to say that's kind of the, the – the gist of the game, but really the only other big thing to, to, to talk, I guess, maybe not only other thing, but the big story in the game, at least to me, was was uh, Aaron Duvall from Goffstown. Um, you know, a kid who came into the season and wasn't a running back. Uh, the team had a need, needed somebody to step up in that position. He said, you know what, I'll do it. Um, you know, he'd been a receiver uh, going into this year and kind of realized, hey, you know what, running back gets to touch the ball on almost every play. Uh, maybe uh, maybe I should try that out. And he did pretty much touch the ball. He carried 34 times for 146 yards and a touch in the, the only touchdown of the game. Um, and it was just a remarkable performance again from a guy who's you know wasn't a running back coming into the year. Yeah, you know there, I, there's been a couple of stories over the last five or six years out of Goffstown that are that are like that, right? Where I think there was a there was a, even a couple of kids that have played quarterback in recent years. I can't remember which ones they were, but who had sort of transitioned later in their career from like a receiver position to QB. Duval is a great example of a of a receiver transitioning to running back, right? But it seems like they've got a really good culture there of of that kind of a thing where you know guys don't get locked into I'm a this or I'm a that. It's more of a of a um, you know, uh, what's the word that uh, Belichick always uses, right? You want, um, not, not diversity, but... Uh, Versatile. Uh, yeah, I'm stuck, so I'm not going to keep struggling <laughs> with it. But, you know, you, you want to ha- be like sort of a, a jack-of-all-trades, you're a right. football player first kind of mentality, you know? And yeah. It, it does seem like they have a good culture of that there that served them well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you want to go way back, uh, which I think you're, you're thinking, um, you know, Connor Benjamin was that guy. You know, probably going back nine, ten years now. Um, right. You know, was a running back who they moved to quarterback and just, you know, who ran all over people. Back. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, you know, they had. He just, um, he just take the shotgun step and, you know, mesh with the running back and pull it and go, <laughs> and you know, it was almost impossible to stop. He yeah. was really good, but yeah, that's that's certainly one of the examples. You know, yeah. they they had um, you know. Uh, Casey Gervais was a was a three year starter at, at quarterback for them, but you know he went on when he got you know was recruited into at you know the collegiate level. I mean he went as a tight end. Um, you know he was a, a, a very big quarterback. Um, yeah. And who was uh, I want to say it was Charlie Keith was another one who started out as a receiver for them and ended up switching to quarterback when uh, when they it had was an Charlie opening. that I was thinking yeah. of. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely they, they've had a lot of guys. And then you look at this year, they've, they've done that with, um, you know, a little bit with Peyton Strickland. He's come in and played quarterback uh, here and there. Of course, he's their um, their big tight end who, I mean, has yep. got to be, you know, one of the better college prospects I think I've seen, um, you know, in, as far as football goes in, in the last, you know, in, in a while. Um, you know, excited yeah, it's hard to, to coach know. size, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And he, they had that prototypical football body, right? Yeah. Skill position player body. Um, yeah. So it was. I mean, and then that was a uh, that was a, a win or go home kind of or a win or go home game. I mean, Goffstown won that game, clinched the last playoff spot in Division One. Um, you know, Portsmouth. Uh, you know, unfortunately came up short, but you know they turned in probably the best season they've had in about you know six or seven years. Um, you know, they haven't, uh, they've been without a playoff spot, you know, not including last year, um, since I want to say 2014, uh, in division one. So, I mean, that was, you know, to be, to be playing for a spot on the last weekend, um, you know, was a big step forward for them, you know, and I know they lose. Yeah. And 14 was their first year moving up. They were a division. They'd been in division two two before that. Prior to that. Uh, you know, Um, and did Portsmouth kind of turn in a similar, sort of gritty gutted out type performance in terms of their trying to get the run game going and, and leaning on one guy in particular, or did they have a different approach to the game? Yeah, they, um, I, you know, I think they had a, I, they're, you know, it looked like their plan early was to use uh quarterback, uh, Will Hindle and, and running back, uh, Max Aleem, um, as kind of a, a tandem. Uh, but Laleem ended up getting hurt early in the game, which actually then affected the punt, uh, because he's also their long snapper. 
So they had to go with someone else um, at long snapper, and, and actually the punt that got blocked, the snap uh, back to the punter was short. So by the time he got the ball, that you know the Goffstown rush was there, uh, you know. But Hindle played a a, a a good game considering, you know, he's he's a guy who is more of a runner, um, relies on his speed and being able to make cuts. Two things that really were tough to do in this game. Uh, had 52 yards on the ground, 130 yards in the air. Uh, was just eight of 18 passing, but I mean, you know, in conditions like that, you know, trying to throw any passes were was you know a really tough task and he made some plays with his arm that were you know kind of heads up plays one one in particular that I can think of where he was scrambling out of the pocket um going to his right and looked like he was going to get run out of bounds for a loss uh and at the last second just kind of floated a little pass out um you know to a receiver that was just standing there by himself because everybody was chasing him and and they ended up picking up some yards on that play um but I mean, he, you know, it, it's it's a tough way to go out. Um, but I think Portsmouth played a pretty good game. Um, it's just the the one momentum swing happened to go Goffstown's way. Yeah, and in games like that, you know, that's all it takes, right? I I've I've been in those type of games before as a coach, and and you know, if you're fairly evenly matched, right? Obviously, if there's a if there's a mismatch, it's 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 not unlike regular conditions, right? I mean, the better team is just going to kind of take over, but in teams where it's games where it's fairly close and you're just sort of fighting all the elements and stuff, it it really does come down to either like a singular mistake or like a single momentum swing, right? Like there's, I remember there was one game we had against Bedford in really, really bad conditions at night. And it was like, you know, we, we, we scored a safety against them. Yeah. You know, that the, they, they were backed up and, we happened to drop a kid in the end zone. I think it was Jordan Guerin at the time, and that was all we needed, right? We we ended up winning nine to nothing, but it, I think it was on the strength of that play, right? We got two points off of that. It was a short kick. After that, we we turned that into a drive and scored, and that was it for the rest of the night. Nothing else happened on either side of the ball. I think it might have been at that so kind game. of a similar thing to what you're describing. I I think I went. Was that uh... 2010? Yeah, I think I might have been there. Sounds familiar. Yeah, really ugly under the under the rented lights at Hollis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Driving I, I mean, rain. Well, that's that, that seemed to be the case every time that rent they rented lights over there. That there was rain right. or fog or something. Uh, yeah, you know that. Well, that's what the case was. I'm going to jump the visions here, but um, the Fall Mountain Muscoma game, you know, was a was an eight to two final. Um, and, right. And Muscoma scored scored first in that one. Um, they were up two nothing, I think, at halftime of that game. You know, so yeah, it's uh, I and I kind of it felt like that was gonna, it, you know, it was gonna be a field position battle for most of the day, um, right? And it and it yeah, it largely was, um, you know, I I um, we went into last week, uh, talking about how in Division Two, that the West Bow game was gonna be for a playoff spot, most likely. Uh, there were some other things that could we said there were other things that could happen, um, but most likely the winner of that game is going to get in. And then uh, Guilford Belmont goes and beats uh, St. Thomas, who had won, I think, seven in a row uh, leading up to that point, um, scoring a ton of points. And uh, and Guilford Belmont goes into Dover and beats him 14-10 to 10 on a Isaiah Reese touchdown uh, in the fourth quarter. You know, and Guilford Belmont ends up jumping Bow and West and getting that eighth playoff spot. Um, so, I mean, it, just part of kind of what was a, what was a crazy weekend in, in some cases, in some games, you know, just some, some head scratchers and some eye openers, uh, in terms of, of results. And, uh, that was, that was definitely one of the, the two big ones. Yeah, definitely. Uh, another reason why, you know, if you're a coach in one of those precarious on the bubble playoff positions, you, you dread in a lot of cases, you dread that weather. And maybe in other cases, you you're counting on it, I guess, depending on what position you're in. But because you know that the the conditions can change so much about what you do well. Well, I think that was a, that you've relied on. Right? Is that one? That one was a Friday game, um, so a little bit nicer. Oh, yeah, that, it, yeah, yeah, a little bit nicer weather there. Uh, yeah. But still, but still, I mean, it was you know, I mean, we've we've hit a stretch here now where 
not only have we had the rain, it's been so much colder um, yeah, and than, windy. than it was all year, which is just, I mean, I, it's, well, duh, it's November. We should expect it, but it's just been, it's been so nice for so long to all of a sudden be out there and it's, hey, it's 35 degrees out now. Um, right. It's, it's a shock. Uh, but I mean, yeah, that was another one. And then, and then you, you got to see a little bit, uh, on film of the other game that kind of, I think we both saw the result of and went, what happened here was, uh, Sanborn's win at Plymouth Friday afternoon. Um, you know, that was a, a 22 to 14 win for, for Sanborn. Yeah. They had done some rescheduling there too. I think just given the, the weather outlook. Right. And it was it was a it was a really interesting time that they ended up playing it at. So I I, I decided to watch it um, on the on the stream as opposed to you know trying to head up there for like a whatever it was a three o'clock kickoff or something. But uh, you could yeah you, you know it was it, to... it was a really it ended up being a really good game and and you know it's funny on paper I think a lot of people would probably raise an eyebrow at that and and be surprised with it. But based on what I saw, um, I'm not sure that I was surprised. Um, and what I mean by that is, yeah, you know, I, I think Plymouth, uh, you know, I, I, what was surprising, let me start with this. What was surprising was that it was not just a win for Sanborn over a, a very, you know, what was thought to be a very good Plymouth team, but it was a come from behind win. Yeah. Um, that, that was fueled by a lot of emotion and just hard play. Um, but, but the reason I said that you might not be surprised is honestly looking at the across-the-board matchup between the two teams, um, it was clear that Sanborn had a considerable size advantage over Plymouth. I mean, they they were just a massive football team. Um, and, and, you know, you see some big football teams, you say, okay, that's great, they got a bunch of big guys, can they move? Yeah. Right, or are they just big, slow slugs that look, you know, look imposing and you didn't have anybody else. So you put those kids in the uniforms and lined them up. It wasn't the case. I mean, their, their offensive and defensive lines were, were at least from what I could see, you know, at the vantage point that the, of the film, right. They were bigger and stronger than what Plymouth had out on the field. Um, the, the Sanborn quarterback who I haven't heard a word of, all season, a kid named uh, I'm gonna. I, I'm hoping I'm not gonna kill his last name here, but there's a bunch of consonants in it in weird position. <laughs> um, Kevin Kolozich. I think it's Koloje, maybe. Koloje. It's uh, yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna try to spell it. But there's a Z in there and a J and all kinds of interesting stuff. So sorry, <laughs> Kevin, but I mean, he looks like Peyton Strickland. Yeah. He's he's like a big tight end type kid, or he reminds me a little bit of. Um, McQuarrie from um, John Stark several years ago. Which which one? Who, who ended were, up going both, to BC? I, I think say, as a tight end. Both, I mean, just like yeah, they're yeah both you know, like huge. a like a big thick kid at six foot five. Um, and and he pretty much took over that game for Sanborn. You know, I mean, um, you know, he he had uh, I think he had like 150 yards passing. Now some of that was on big plays, right? He had an 80 yard pass. Uh, for their first touchdown. Um, but he was also a beast on defense. He, he was playing inside linebacker and was in on a number of tackles against Plymouth. Um, and he he was also on their special teams units, right? So, nice. you know, you don't often see your quarterback playing inside linebacker and also, um, you know, lane man on the kickoff team, <laughs> right, for example, right? right? Yeah, yeah. So... This was a guy, you know, you don't, you just don't see that, right? But he really kind of took over the game. But, it, it, but again, then you could fool yourself in saying, oh well, you know, they beat him with one kid, and and, it, and that wasn't the case either because the other two running backs for Sanborn, uh, Ashby and uh, and Surrett, both had over um, eighty yards rushing. You know, Josh Surrett, who easily was probably a, a two hundred and fifteen pound fullback type had, you know, 100, 100 yards rushing on 11 carries, including um, a, a big touchdown run that went for 55 yards. So anyway, a lot of that is just to say what I saw was just Sanborn got off that bus and they were bigger and stronger and played harder than what Plymouth had to offer, which you I, I don't remember the last time you would utter that sentence. Right, yeah. About a Plymouth game. Yeah. Um, but, 
it, it really was kind of just that way. There wasn't anything at all fancy to what Sanborn did. And it's not like Plymouth was just, you know, fumbling the ball all over the place and just giving the game away. They, there was a key turnover um, in the red zone that, that sort of was a turning point, I think, in the game for Plymouth. Yeah. But it's not like they just played a terribly sloppy, horribly uninspired game. It, it's just, I think Sanborn just played that much better. So I've been trying to find um, more, like, see how many, how many, I mean, that's a, a I mean, like I said, a, it's a big win for them. And how many kids yeah. they've maybe got coming back um, next year? But I mean, I'm having a little trouble finding a, a complete roster. Um, but what it made me think of was, you know, you look at what they were able to do, you know, to end the season. I believe they were they were four and five on the year. Um, yep. You know, you get that big win to end end the season. Um, you know, you've you had a. Uh, you know, a couple wins in there, uh, or a couple of, um, you know, competitive games that maybe, you know, haven't always been the case in some years. And maybe if things go differently, you're talking about, you know, a different, a different season. But I remember, um, I don't know if you were there yet, but there was one year, maybe 2008 that, that Hollis Brookline, uh, had a finish like that where they won a couple games at the end of the year, and that momentum kind of carried into the next season, and that was yeah. kind of the first time that that maybe that was the first playoff year. I want to say, um, yeah, we yeah. we had to we had to. I think we beat Bedford and um, Gosstown, and and the Gosstown game was kind of a play-in game for us. It was it was uh, it was the last game of the season, but it was essentially a quarterfinal game because. Whichever team made it was gonna was gonna go into the playoffs, and whichever team didn't win was done. So it was it was almost like a playoff game, and, we, and then we ended up beating Goffstown twenty eight to nothing, um, and and that was the the program's first ever playoff berth. But yeah, it was kind of like a you know like a like a great way to end the season, and that that momentum certainly carried carried um, into the next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so hopefully, you know, maybe maybe that will do the same thing for Sanborn there. Uh, who knows? Yeah, I'll tell you. I, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I, you hope so too because it's been a program that's struggled with consistency a little bit. You know, given some of the coaching changes and things that have happened. And um, but but you know, the, the interesting story on the flip side of that is, man, if if you're the Plymouth Bobcats, that is not the way that you want to end the regular season, trying to head into postseason, uh, and and. and be a contender, right? I mean, that that has to be a very difficult loss to overcome from a momentum standpoint. Yeah, they've um, they come in low. They'll go into the playoffs losing two or three, and uh, and they have to go on the road to play at Milford uh, Saturday afternoon. Right, uh, which which is I think by the way where I'm going to be. Okay, all right, all right, very nice. Uh, yeah, they moved that one back to to three o'clock on Saturday. Um, Oh, is that right? Oh, thanks for yeah. telling me. I yeah. thought it was oh, the yeah. one. Yeah, you're going to – yeah, don't <laughs> – showing up and – You'll show up and have to watch the band practice again. Right. <laughs> um, so that – okay, well, that that's – how about we use that as a, a way to segue into uh, the playoff schedule this weekend. Of course, um, there are um, 12 games going on, uh, four in D1, four in D2, and then two each in three and four. That that adds up to twelve. I hope. Uh, did that on the on the fly there. Uh, not always a good thing. Um, you know. And some of these games. This was the this this was an interesting thing that that happened this weekend. One maybe one of the things that distracted me from actually seeing what what results were. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, you open up the uh, the little PDF that the NHIA has on its website that says fall tournament dates, and you scroll down to football. And you see that it says uh, there there are asterisks next to the quarterfinal and semifinal games, and it says underneath it says upon mutual agreement may be changed to Friday night. Uh, but then, from what I was hearing, uh, when teams wanted to start changing their games to Friday night, uh, they were met with a little resistance, uh, which I don't quite understand because it says in print right there, changing games to Friday night's okay. Um, we do have a couple of Friday night games. Uh, probably the most notables 
uh, or well, I shouldn't say probably, the, the notables being uh, Goffstown at Winnicunit, uh Friday night at 7, um, Guilford Belmont at Timberlane Friday at 6.30, and then Hanover at St. Thomas Friday at 6. Uh, you know, and then pretty much, I believe, every game except the one we just mentioned, the Milford game, uh, Saturday at 1, and then BG and Salem will play at 6.30 Saturday night. So uh, I, I am, I will tell you this, I am very excited that we're going to have some Friday night playoff games. Uh, if for no other reason, um, you know, if, in case no one could tell, I'm a little short-staffed in terms of, of having people write uh, game stories for me. Uh, so I will be at three games this weekend uh, to have, you know, to have as much coverage as possible. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a busy weekend, but I'm, I'm definitely very excited about being able to see a game Friday night. Yeah. You know, I, I was thinking about whether I would be able to get to a Friday night game as well, too. Um, and I, I still haven't, still haven't come to a conclusion on that one yet, but, uh, there's nothing necessarily local. No, uh, not, not really. I'm, I'm going to make the drive out to, to Hampton for that, that golf sound when it that, That's game. what I was going to say. A trip yeah. to the, a trip to the coast might be in order. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to give that some thought. I was holding out hope that that Exeter Bedford game would get moved to Friday night, but no, no such luck. It seems, um, yeah, you know, so, um, but I, I think I might head out, head over to that one Saturday afternoon. And then, and then of course do, um, the Salem BG game, uh, Saturday night, which, uh, you know, an interesting rematch. Um, of course, uh, BG won the regular season meeting uh, between those teams back on the, what, in week two, I think it was. 17-14 um, in a game that was scoreless uh, at halftime. And, uh, and you know, we're, here, we're talking about safeties. There was a safety in that game that BG got that kind of swung momentum. Um, or I guess start, maybe not swung momentum, but started the ball rolling for them. You know, they get the safety, they take the free kick. I think they scored off that. Um, they get another touchdown, and, and on that second touchdown, they uh, botch the snap, but the holder has a presence of mind to turn and, and throw it for a conversion, which ended up being a big deal because it ended up being a, a three-point game instead of a two-point game. Uh, right. You know, so um, that was an exciting one, and I think, you know, Salem's gotten their their issues earlier in the year were, were with their defense. The defense seems to be uh, all on the same page now. Um, you know, BG's been a little banged up here late in the year, uh, but I think that one's going to be another, you know, another game that's going to come down to the end. Yeah, it's definitely one of the better matchups. Uh, I mean, they're all they're, I shouldn't say that because they're all actually pretty good matchups from what I've seen. But um, you know, I, I think the way that both of these teams have been playing late in the season. Um, and I, I think, you know, I, I think it's an interesting story too, that early on BG didn't have really high expectations uh, in terms of, you know, what, what people like us were thinking, right. People in the media and, and so forth. And, and Salem, there were really high expectations. Right. Yeah. For. yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, it's kind of a, kind of a fun story from that perspective. Um, you know, Salem, uh, you know, a lot like we were just talking about the division two games and what that may mean for some momentum, uh, you know, Salem's ending their season on a really high momentum swing. Um, you know, they, they just beat Merrimack 54 to 14. Um, you know, so pretty good display of offense and defense. You know, you had noted last week, I think, Hey, you know, you never know what's going to happen there because even though Merrimack doesn't have a you know, a, a, a playoff type record right now, they've, they've been able to score points. And so how is that going to look for a Salem defense? That's been a little bit inconsistent. Well, they did a pretty good job again this week, <laughs> yeah, defensively, yeah. and certainly offensively um, a, a little bit more of what you expected maybe towards the beginning of the season. And then again, right. BG well, has, has steadily improved week to week, I think. Um, so that, that, that turns, that, that promises to be a really cool matchup. So how about this is here's this for for numbers for you. You said uh, Merrimack scored 14 against Salem. Um, only two other teams have held them to that low a point total. They scored six in the opener against Londonderry, and 12 midseason against Pinkerton. 
Right. Uh, so, yeah, those are the only other two teams that have been able to hold Merrimack under under 20 points. Under, well, under right. 28 points uh, a game. Um, yeah, yeah and, so. and at the beginning of the season, I know they, there were some key injuries on the offense to, to guys as well for Merrimack. So you kind of factor that in, too. And, you know, this this just goes to show, you know, all, all of us uh, geniuses who think we have the playoff playoffs figured out three weeks ago were saying, oh, yep, BG Pinkerton, first round, guaranteed, lock it in. Uh, so, <laughs> so much for that. Uh, right. You know, but actually Pinkerton. Anytime uh, we say guaranteed, you yeah, ought to right? be suspicious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it basically don't guarantee it. Um, so Pinkerton actually will be going to Londonderry. Uh, to play Speaking them in the playoffs, yeah. uh, rematches. Um, yep. If I'm if I'm thinking correctly, not not including last year, um, which you know we should probably never include last year, um, at least in terms of of you know saying oh this many years in a row and whatever, in terms of yeah for, for and all consistency that. analysis, but it's probably not a great year in, to look at. For the last three times that there's been no COVID restrictions. Um, Londonderry and Pinkerton have, have met in the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. 20, 2019 uh, and 2018, they both they played both of those years. Um, at Londonderry, too, if I believe, if I'm remembering this right, um, with Pinkerton pulling off an upset in uh, in 2018, they were they were the four seed then too. They were an odd kind of four seed because I think they had lost like a game mid-season that dropped them down and then on tiebreakers they they moved down to fourth uh but they had i think they had beaten londonderry yeah they had beaten londonderry during the regular season that year you know and then the next year was of course londonderry's championship year uh in 2019 um right. so yeah this will be i think the third year that they meet in a uh, a quarterfinal game uh at londonderry and um I'm sure that uh, regardless of what the weather is, that that's going to be a, a very well-attended game. Just a guess. Yeah, I'm actually kind of irritated now that the the uh, the Milford game is set to 3 o'clock. I mean, couldn't they have done 345? <laughs> give, give you a time to get to one of these 1 o'clock yeah, games, yeah. like Londonderry-Pinkerton would be an awesome one to go to, and then just hightail it over to... Milford to see that game, but you know you'd never make it. It would be starting just as the other one's ending, and yeah. I mean that's completely unacceptable. Well, just just reserve your uh, your your frustration because I have a feeling it's only going to get worse uh, as we move along in the playoffs here. Just uh, it's just time to... for some strongly worded letters to be yeah. written to the NHIAA. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it is t- yeah. You're right. That's well. That's another reason why I'm glad that they're letting games be played on Friday. Um, you know, cause you can go to more than one, you know, I, right. I, I, if I could be in more than one place, I would be in more than one place. I would trust me. I would go to all of these games. Um, I just, I haven't figured that out yet. Yep. Uh, yeah. And then, so, so that's, um, that is of course the, uh, the Southwest side of the, the bracket, Londonary and Pinkerton, the first round Salem and Beachy, uh, the winner of those games will play each other in the semis. On the other side of the bracket, as we mentioned before, Goffstown and Winniconnet uh, at Winniconnet Friday night. And then Exeter and Bedford uh, at Bedford Saturday afternoon. And, you know, it's like like you see, you were saying that about, you know, just how, how great the matchups are. Um, and they usually are. But, I mean, you look at it this year. I don't know if you look at any of these matchups and say, well, you know, like like a couple of years ago, you know, when, like we said, that Londonderry-Pinkerton matchup, you know, I thought Pinkerton had a had a chance in that game, but Londonderry was just so talented, so good, you know, and they won pretty big in that one. Um, you know, I don't think we're going to see any games like that this week. I I would be surprised in Division One if we saw any of those games. You know, you had Goffstown um, and Winnicott a couple weeks ago. Winnicott goes there and wins thirty three twenty, which, you know, maybe I I might be a little deceiving because Goffstown scored a late touchdown in that one. But also, they did not play well. Uh, a lot of penalties, a couple turnovers, just some sloppy play. Um, you know, and, and a second time around, I, I got to think that they're going to improve on some of those things. Would, it would be my guess. Uh, you know. Yeah. But but that that my impression a... of that were, you know, I got to I got to see that game after it was played. I, I know you were there, 
got to see it live. I got to watch it on um, YouTube after it was played. And, I mean, Winnicunit just pounded the ball guard to guard all day. I mean, and nothing fancy, not like power or gaps. I mean, they were just diving the running back straight ahead, like 80% of their play calls. You know, occasionally they'd mix it up a little bit by running like a like a lead ISO type play as opposed to a dive. And Goffstown just couldn't couldn't cope with it. Yeah. It's the best way I could put it. They just had no response. They were unable to keep... You know, guys like like uh, Nico Zeno and 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 Winnicott's running back stable from from gaining four or five six yards a pop. And like you said, yeah, Goffstown didn't help themselves. They did not play well. But even if they had played well, if they don't have an answer to just stopping like that extremely um, persistent and base running attack that Winnicott used against them in the first game. Um, I don't see that the result is going to be any different. So you'd have to think that it's a right now it's a real game of adjustments as far as Gosstown's concerned, right? How do you stop that inside run? Um, and, and also, how do you avoid having Peyton Strickland just completely removed from the game plan? Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Right? I mean, you you look though at the the twenty points that Gosstown scored was the most that anyone's had on Winnicott this year. Um, yeah. Uh, only, that's also true. Yeah. Yeah. Only only three teams have had double digits on them. Um, you know the the one thing that that Goffstown can kind of you know if they can't slow them down they they do have the the capability of scoring quick, or or of answering. But then you run the risk of of scoring too quick, getting your defense back out there and just getting worn down. Uh, and then you have yeah. to play you have to play a perfect game on offense. You 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 can't afford the mistakes, the penalties, the the empty drives. Um, you know, you got to match them point for point or score for score, and that's that's a, that's tough to do in high school. Um, it is, and, and and you know, the other thing that we opened the show talking about may come into play too is that you know, what's the best way for Goffstown to maybe do that? Well, I'd argue, aside from finding creative ways to get Strickland freed up, which they weren't able to do in the first matchup, you've got to figure out a way to get Duval involved. You know, because that's probably your most consistent way of guaranteeing yourself you know, to, to do what Winnicott's trying to do to you, which is chip away, right? Right. But if, if if Duvall just had the game of his life, you know, 30-some-odd carries and whatever, right? Like, it doesn't even sound like they gave the ball to another back in that game against Portsmouth. You know, uh, is, is, it's was, late in the uh... season. He just had a man of, you know, like a, 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 a man's performance last week. Is, is he going to be a little rubbery? Yeah. They, um... They gave the ball in terms of running backs. Uh, there was one play where where Duval had to come out because his jersey ripped uh, on both sides, so it looked like he was almost wearing a cape. Uh, yeah. he, he had to come out so they could fix his jersey, and uh, Rob Bagudi came in and had one carry for for two yards. Uh, Peyton Strickland carried twice, or excuse me, three times for four yards, and then uh, there was a fumbled snap that. Uh, so Josh Webb had a, a carry for for minus eight on a on a fumble yeah. snap. So yeah, not not really. No one else really, <laughs> no one else really carried right. the ball there. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's, um, you know, but the other the other matchup on that side too is another one that you know, I don't really know what to. I, I mean, I I ex, I would expect a clo- another close game, but you know, who's going to win? I I don't you know I don't really know. You had Bedford that went out to Exeter. And uh, won fifteen thirteen on a last second field goal by by Joe Michael, um, you know, and and I think that's a well, you know, in part big reason why that game is at Bedford uh, this week instead of Exeter playing at Goffstown. Uh, but uh, you know, that's one. I I mean, who knows? I mean, I, you got to imagine that both both sides are going to make pretty good adjustments uh, playing the second time around. Uh, but I think that's going to be another one that's. You know, just a, a close game that's going to come down to a few things here and there. Yeah, I, I and I, I don't know enough about either of those teams to, to say, you know, certainly what I just kind of talked about, Winnicott and Goffstown, although you could argue I, I don't know a ton about those teams either, you know. I mean, Exeter had a, had a pretty good win um, to close out the season against Concord, you know, 42 to 19. I know Concord only won three or four games. I, I think they, I think they were a three win team, but Concord was not a bad team, right? I, I mean, 
I took a look at them a few times this season, um, maybe not full games. I think I watched one full game, and it was the Goffstown Concord game. And they, they did a lot of things right. You know, they could move the ball. They could play um, halfway decent run defense. They did really struggle against uh, with the big play against Goffstown, right? But so that that to me is a, a pretty good win for Exeter to close out on, right? To, you know, um, again, it's not like Concord is, I think, as weak as their record showed, right? They've got some good football players. They're they're pretty good up front on both sides of the ball. So so you know, Exeter closed out the season pretty tough. Um, and then what did uh, I'm trying to remember what Bedford had this past weekend. Um, that's a good question. What did Bedford have? Oh, they, they beat Spalding, <laughs> Spalding right. uh, 49 right. to yeah. eight. Yeah. But Spalding has really struggled this season. Yeah. So, you know, you could argue that, that both teams closed out the season really strong. Exeter probably had a little bit more of a, uh, of a, of a true test, uh, perhaps than, than Bedford did. But yeah, you know, I, I, rematches are an interesting thing in the playoffs. That's why it's fun talking about it. But I, I think um, I think Exeter is, is obviously a really well coached team. They're very difficult to beat twice in the same season. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I don't I don't think. Well, you know, I, now that I say that, um, I do remember one instance of that happening, and it was Bedford that did it in 2014. Uh, they went out to Exeter uh, during the regular season and won there, and then hosted them in a semifinal, um, and and won that again and went on to the went on to lose to Pinkerton in the championship game in 2014. Uh, yeah. But that, man, maybe that's the last time. I don't, or, you know, Winnicott, I, I think maybe during their champ, their championship year, um, or maybe, actually, no, I don't think so. Exeter went, I think, to Goffstown that year and, uh, and, and played them. So, no, they didn't play them twice. Uh, but you're right. It's probably not, not something that's happened too, too often. Right. Um, so, yeah, those are your, uh, your Division One games. Um, again, uh, the winner of Goffstown, Winnicott, and winner of Exeter and Bedford will meet in the semifinals next weekend. Uh, Division two, you get uh, two rematches with uh, with Guilford, Belmont, and Timberlane playing. Um, that's the the eight versus one seed. Then you've got Hanover at St. Thomas, uh, five four. Um, those two teams didn't play during the regular season, and both those games are on Friday night. And then you've got, on Saturday, you've got Sauhegan at Lebanon. Uh, they did play during the regular season. That was kind of a, a big win for, for Lebanon. And then uh, Plymouth at Milford, uh, 3 o'clock on Saturday. And those teams did not play each other uh, during the regular season. Um, so, yeah, two um, two matchups that I think are going to be kind of close and, um, you know, might might be come down to the wire, maybe see some upsets. And then two matchups that I think are going to be a little more maybe one-sided. Um, you know, with that. Yeah, you know, Lebanon, you know, again, kind of talking about how things ended last week. You know, Lebanon sort of cruised to a what was probably kind of an obvious 38 to nothing win over um, a young hillsborough Deering hopkinton team. And, and they've been on, they've been cruising all season, right? I think I did make a comment a couple weeks ago that, I thought that if, if Milford had tackled better in that matchup earlier in the season where Milford and Lebanon played, that Milford really had a chance of winning that game. But there were some other odd things that happened in that game, too, that sort of contributed to a, a close score, right? You know, strange penalties and oh, yeah, uh, other the, things that were a little, of, um, a little <laughs> interesting. But um, one, of, one of Milford's touchdown drives was the biggest play was a 15-yard penalty on Lebanon. Right. Because they had four, right. you four know, of There, there were some things drive. that sort of contributed to that stuff. Yeah. Um, I I personally think uh, the 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 Milford um, Plymouth matchup is intriguing. Yeah. Um, you know Milford has not fared well at all uh, in in historical matchups against um, the Plymouth Bobcats. But again, you know, based on what I saw last week, uh, I and and I and I if there is a team that I've seen a number of times, a couple of teams that I've seen a number of times this season, Plymouth and Milford fall into those categories, right? Uh, you know, I'd have to say this is. I think this is going to be a pretty good game. Um, it, it'll it'll potentially be, um, you know, a, a little bit of a grinder type game, I would guess. 
Um, but I, I think that's going to be uh, one of the more intriguing matchups in Division Two. I'm trying to think of when it would even the last time these two played. I can't even. I can't even think of when they played last, but it, I feel like it's been a while. It, it has. I, I don't know whether maybe they've snuck one in recently, um, but I, I don't think they have. Right? I, I they they certainly used to play back in the uh, back in the old days, you know, Division Four days, and then there was a crossover game or two that they had when we were the old Division Three with right. Milford and yeah. Sauhegan and Gosstown, and that yeah. that sort of old old Division Three. And I remember Milford playing uh, a Chuck Lenahan coached. Plymouth back in, 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 in a crossover game there, and it was a it was a Plymouth bloodbath, right? I mean, it was it was over before it began, sort of thing. All right, so um, I did. I, I don't. I don't think that's going to be the case now. I did actually um, find. I, it. I, I think these are two pretty evenly matched teams, and it's going to be. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that one. The last time they played was uh, the last game of the regular season in 2017. They played at Plymouth. Uh, Plymouth won 42 to 30. Uh, and Milford was not a; they were two and eight that year, so they were not a playoff team. And that was, I w- want to say, the th- the f- second or third year in a row that Plymouth won. Um, so a close game to end the year, um, but you know, you never know what what was the circumstances for Plymouth in that one. Um, so that probably means they played the year before too. Yeah, they did. Uh, the same thing. End of the end of the regular season, Plymouth won at Milford, fourteen to twelve, uh, and both teams were were playoff teams that year, I believe. So it's been you know it's been a couple of years since they've played, uh, but you're yeah. right. I mean, I mean, I feel like I I don't know the last time that that um, you know Milford has a win uh, over Plymouth. Yeah. Now, what was the other D2 matchup you thought was going to be uh, an intriguing uh, the one? Hanover at St. Thomas. I think that one's got the potential to be, uh, uh, you know, a close game. Um, you know, long drive uh, for Hanover, unfortunately, going to, you know, pretty much across the state. Um, yeah. You know, not necessarily in the in the direction you want to be going to. Um, at least once you get pat, get off at of 89, I don't, I don't know where you would go from there from to get from there to to Dover. Um, I guess I guess Route Four. No. Anyway. Oh, you got me. I, I just I mean, head yeah, out that way and this is why follow I, the GPS. Is, yeah, but, I was gonna say that's why I use uh, use Google to to get me around. But yeah, Hanover. You know, again, very similar to some of the conversations we've been having. Obviously, they ended on a high note, beating Hollis Brookline forty-two to nothing this past weekend. Um, St. Thomas. That's a different story, yeah, right? Strange, I mean, strange end of their season uh, with those, right? You know, know a for a, a Belmont quote unquote upset, and, and and I think that's fair to say, right? Uh, right. No, I do. You know, St. Yeah. Thomas had been a, a pretty good ball club all season. Um, you know, like you had said, put up a lot of points, played pretty good defense. Um, hard to say what might have happened there. When was that game, Joe? Was that? A, a Friday night game, was or was Friday, that a Saturday yeah, that, game? That was the the Hollis Brookline game or the Guilford Belmont game? The Guilford Belmont. It was um, yeah, it was a Friday Friday night game, yeah. And so it wasn't like it was a you know the elements were a huge factor right. at that point, right? Um, so yeah, tough to say, right? Again, that last game of the season momentum thing is 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 really a big deal, right? So yeah, you've got a long trip uh, across state for Hanover, um, coming to meet St. Thomas, but. Uh, then you've got the factor of, you know, is St. Thomas still staggering a little bit from from getting punched in the mouth by Guilford Belmont? Yeah, I mean, even with, um, you know, St. Thomas got shut out by Timberlane to open the year. And even when you factor that in, um, through their first seven games, St. Thomas was averaging 34.3 points a game. And then their last yeah. two, they scored 18 at Hollis Brookline and then 10 against Guilford. So yeah, right. some something going on there that uh, is hurting the, the Saints' offense. And I mean, Hanover is um, you know I, I saw them that one game against Sauhegan, and they are um, they are a big physical team um, that that does have some athletes that um, you know they they can um, I mean they just ran over Sauhegan in that game um, right. you know until they just it looked like they kind of just got worn out. 
And um, yeah, and Sauhegan's a, a younger team yeah, built more yeah. on speed than power right. and size at this point, right? I, I think right. they're only going to get better because um, they are young and they're very talented for a young team. But they're certainly not a, a team that's going to, uh, at, at this phase of their development, right, be favored in a matchup with a, you know, a team that can just sort of power it. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, those those two games I would I would think are going to be closer. Um, you know, the other two, um, you know, Lebanon uh, had a pretty big, like I said, one sided kind of win against Sauhegan earlier this year at Lebanon. That one was a forty one nothing. Actually, was the start of Lebanon's uh, shutout streak here. They went the last four games without allowing a point. Uh, yeah. And then uh, yeah, on the other side, same thing. Um, you know, you had Timberlane who uh, had a big win over uh, Guilford Belmont back in uh, early October, 47-12. to 12. Uh, Right. Yeah. But, you know, there was a reason I brought up that point again about Sauhegan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was not to say that Lebanon isn't, isn't uh, you know, sort of big and capable of powering the ball, but they're a little bit more built around big play and speed. Right, yeah. They definitely have some, some big play capability. Yeah, and I, and I guess part of me just wonders, though, whether that actually, in a weird way, plays into Sal Egan's favor a little bit. Because they're not necessarily just going to line up and pound at Sal Egan, right? Or, or maybe they will, but you know, I, I think Sal Egan's matured um, through the back half of the season quite a bit. You know, you've got a quote-unquote you know, freshman quarterback in, in um Romy Jane, but he's really not a freshman anymore, right? He's right. got a full at this point, yeah. He's under his belt. He's well, got some young receivers. I wouldn't have um, called him a freshman to start the year. He sure didn't look like a, right. a freshman at the beginning of the year. Right, but they've gained a lot of experience. You can't really call them a young team anymore. Um, so you know that may be an interesting matchup. Um, and you know, I, I think they're also very well coached. Um, and again, like I like to say, right, it's hard to beat a well-coached team twice. I'm certainly not saying that Lebanon's not going into that game favored, but um, I don't think that it's going to be uh, a runaway yeah. like it may have been in that in, in that first outing that they had. Yeah, I think there's a good chance that Sal Egan can hang in. So um, let's uh, let's move on to uh, Division three and four. Of course, with uh, with those two divisions, this week is the uh, the semifinal uh, round. Only uh, only four teams make the playoffs in both divisions, uh, so only two rounds of games there. Uh, kind of like the old days with the six divisions uh, getting the playoffs over in two weeks, which, you know, some some people like that. Um, other people don't. Just saying. You're going to let that one hang out there? Yeah, just, just going to put that out there. And I, some people don't. <laughs> I uh, I like more playoff games. That's but that's yeah, me. that's yeah. me. That's me. You, it's I, like you know. Halloween candy. More is always better. Well, oh yeah, yes. Um, yeah, and I don't care if it's chocolate, if it's nerds, <laughs> gummy things, whatever. It doesn't matter. More is better. Load me up. It's been same a, with it's, playoff games. Load me up. Yes, it's been a very sad couple of days around around the Marcellina household too. Halloween is definitely our favorite holiday, and and taking on all the direct decorations has been. Uh, it's been tough. I need I need more playoff games to cheer me up. Well, you know what you need to do is you need to buy three times the amount of candy that you're actually <laughs> going to hand out because I've read from multiple sources that the consumption of Halloween candy vastly improves one's attitude and mood. Oh, until you until the next day after you've eaten all of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have to step on the scale, yeah, right. then your mood goes in the toilet. But uh, but you know, I'm just I'm just saying, Joe. If you need to engage in some self help, extra <laughs> Halloween candy is always a good remedy. The way to go. Uh, well, there will be uh, there will be two teams from Division Three that will be in need of some Halloween candy after this weekend. Um, yep. You know, and and it's uh, I I'm. I'm curious to see how these games go. Um, you obviously, you know, Pelham has been the team to beat in Division Three the last two years. They've they are on quite the winning streak, defending champs from last year. They're you know picking up picked up where they left off this year, undefeated regular season. They get uh, an opening round game against the Kearsarge team that they beat uh, fifty two to eight in week three, uh, but 
I would say that this is a different Kearsarge team than maybe the one they played back in mid-September. You know, if only for the fact that Kearsarge has won six games in a row, uh, including handing Trinity a loss last week. Uh, I, in a game yeah. that was, you know, I, it was, uh, you know, end of, re- end of the season. Um, you know, it would have been... I think the only thing that would have been on the line was kind of seeding. Like, if Trinity had won that game, then it would be Kearsarge at Trinity this week. So, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not looking at that game as like, oh well, you know, maybe Trinity rested everybody or whatever. But, you know, that's a good win for Kearsarge. Um, you know, they uh, they've been scoring a lot of points before that game. Um, you know, I saw them. I did see them a couple weeks ago against Laconia in person. You know they've got a lot of speed on that team. Looks like they've got some size too. I but I I mean I don't know if their speed, how well it matches up with Pelham. Um, you know Pelham's a team that that I feel like has both of those size and speed. Um, but like I said, it, you know you got a, a a Cougars team that's that's probably riding pretty high right now, and um, you know maybe wants to prove something. And I'm not saying I'm not saying you know this is going to be an upset, but maybe it'll be a little bit closer than some people. Uh, might might guess. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, one of my big regrets uh, this season is not having seen anything of Pelham. Um, I, I feel that, that that's really a miss because I would love to see them in action and understand what it is that makes them so special, right? I mean, they, that's like you said, right? They're they're really riding a an outstanding streak right now. And you've seen streaks like that um, in the past from teams like, uh, you know, uh, Pinkerton um, back in the, in the nineties and Sauhegan and, and some of these other teams that have put together these, these uh, amazing runs that, that go season to season. But well, uh, lo- looking at their scores, I, sorry, I uh, just want to throw this in, uh, but Looking at their scores, it reminds me. I'm not saying they're on the same level as this, um, but the scores and the way that they play reminds me a little bit of that 09 BG team that a lot of people have have kind of tagged as one of the top teams ever in New Hampshire. Uh, where pretty much going in, you know they're going to score 40 points and probably play really good defense. Right. Yeah, I, I mean it. It really is that way, and you know I think that when when you get those kind of uh, that kind of consistent success, um, and it's not a Division One or maybe a Division Two team, it doesn't get as much recognition for whatever oh, yeah, strange absolutely. reason. Well, I mean, because it's just, but it's, I think it's yeah. the opposite it is due, right? I, I think it's harder to maintain that level of excellence when when you're a, a smaller school because you just don't have the consistency. Um, or, or maybe I should say it's harder to have, much harder to have the right. consistency in terms of the depth and the numbers and the, the pipeline of talent. So I, I think it's really worthy of um, recognition. And again, I, I, I honestly feel bad that I haven't seen them yet. I'm kind of hoping that there's a, a matchup that occurs here. Um, you know, I, I mean, again, you just pointed out we, we don't have three weeks of playoffs to lean on for this, but uh, I'm hoping that there's there's a a way that I can see them maybe next week. Uh, well, if they are playing next week, they'll be playing. Well, whoever wins the game um, will be playing the winner of Campbell and Trinity, which is the other semifinal. Um, those two teams played uh, back at the end of September, with Trinity winning uh, fourteen to nothing in a game that. Um, I don't know that one. I was a little bit closer than than maybe what I expected. And and Trinity had you know back to back games there. You know they beat Campbell fourteen nothing, and the following week they go to Monadnock and win sixteen uh, fourteen. So yeah, a pair of games that were maybe a little bit closer for the Pioneers than than you would have expected. And of course, um, you know they didn't play Pelham. Um, you know which is I you know I I said the same thing. I really haven't seen much of Pelham this year either. Um, because, and part of that was because the game I had planned on going to see was the one against Trinity that got, uh, canceled because of COVID. Right. So maybe, um, you know, maybe we will get, uh, a rematch in the championship game. We'll see. Yeah. And it's, it's, it was an interesting result. You had mentioned the, the, the Kearsarge, uh, victory over Trinity this past weekend. It was an interesting result because I mean, it, it was virtually, a shutout, 
right? I mean, right. Trinity scored three points, but I, I mean, I, I, I certainly would have wouldn't have expected Trinity to be shut out in that game, right? If it was going to be a, a Keir Sarge win, I would have said, oh, you know, maybe a, a, a you know, a, a twenty-one to fourteen or you know, twenty-seven fourteen kind of win or something, right? But I, I wouldn't have expected Trinity's offense to be held that in check, right? Um, you know, and then, um, you know, the other two games, uh, division four, uh, same thing, semifinal games, you got, uh, fall mountain, uh, it got in with a win over Mascoma this past weekend. Uh, they are playing at defending champion Newport, which, um, you know, is on a pretty nice run of its own. Um, just like Callum defending champs went undefeated last year, undefeated again this year. A uh, little bit closer games with uh, with Summersworth and with Epic Newmarket than uh, than Pelham had with its uh, opponents in in D three, um, you know. And then in the other game, you've got Epic Newmarket at Summersworth, uh, which was is a rematch of a game from last week uh, that Summersworth yeah. won uh, twenty four to eight. So those teams will return to Summersworth and and play again Saturday afternoon at one. Yeah, and th- and thanks for bringing up the the Newport streak as well, right? Because that sort of goes hand in hand with what we were just saying about Pelham. How um, I I think it's just more rare to be able to put that together uh, in a in a school with a smaller population, right? With and all the challenges that football in general has faced lately, it, it, it's just it can't be understated how um, you know really great a feat that that is. Um, and I've seen, I haven't seen Newport play this year, but I've seen Newport in recent history. I saw a couple games last year um, during their their championship run, and I mean they were an impressive team. They had some some guys that would I don't care whether it's Division Seven or Division One, right? They have guys that would have played on any team in the state. Right? Yeah, yeah. An impressive team. I believe they're lo- they're only I think or you know I said they were undefeated but I think they actually did lose a game last year now that I'm rem- rem- thinking about it but it was like they lost by a point to like Lebanon or you know who was uh who was uh, a semifinalist in division 2 last year. Right. Um, you know so th- you know really good really good uh run for them. And and to your point I think um that makes it a little bit more remarkable is is they were a team that I believe lost uh some pretty talented kids from last year's championship team. Uh, so for them yep. to come back with uh, with some new faces is yeah definitely a big a big accomplishment. Yeah, I remember having a hypothetical discussion last year after the the three and four championship wrapped up and saying wouldn't it be interesting to see for example Newport play um, Pelham? Yeah, it would have been it would have been fantastic to see that. You know, to fill that extra week out. I mean, I, I know there's tons of reasons why. They don't do that, and why you might not want to do that. But well, we could use some more playoff games, more playoff. Yeah, games. right. I don't care, man. As a fan, <laughs> I think that would be a fascinating matchup. Absolutely. You know why? Yeah, why not? Why can't we do that? You know, if if you know we're going to split up Division Three into Division Three and Four, you know what what's to keep us from having the Division Three champ play the Division Four champ as the third uh, third game on that championship Saturday? On the, uh, you know right. what's going to be November twentieth this year. There we go. Another another list. Another thing to add to your your letter. My strongly worded letter <laughs> to the NHI. <laughs> Here are some changes I think you need to make. <laughs> yep, I'm already I'm I'm writing a note of it as we speak. <laughs> All right, good, good. Uh, I don't know any other thoughts to add before about uh, about the upcoming playoff games before we wrap up for this week. No, just a congratulations to all the teams that are advancing and, and, and you know, kind of a good luck wish to everybody. Uh, but also, you know, I, I think a congratulations to all the teams. You know, there's a lot of teams that aren't going to be, um, you know, advancing this week, obviously, a lot more than are. But, you know, this was a, this was a tough season. Um, you know, it wasn't quite as, as odd and tough as last year was, but in a lot of ways it was – Maybe it was, you know, there were, as we've noted, every week it seemed there was some other kind of drama with teams, you know, having games canceled or, uh, you know, some in some cases there were there were programs that had two games in a row that ended up canceled and it was potentially of no, you know, 
it wasn't within their control. It was due to the, the schedule and the other teams that they were playing were going to be at. So, in other words, I think there was a lot of adversity that um, all the programs faced this season. And I, I think it's great that we were just able to play football and, uh, and, 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 and get a really entertaining season in. So I, I would just leave it with that. So I, I think if my memory is correct, and I, I wouldn't, you know, it probably, it may not be. Um, I think the only weeks that there were no games canceled were week one and week nine. Which is kind of interesting, and also yeah. um, I want to note too. You, you're talking about canceled games. There is actually one game that got rescheduled uh, for this Friday, four o'clock, Gill Stadium, Manchester Memorial versus Manchester Central. They are, oh, they are and that's a, that's pretty noteworthy because yeah. that's one of the, you know, that's one of the the old and and really storied rivalries. Um, so that's great that they decided to yeah. do that. So for, yeah, that's a four o'clock kickoff on Friday. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll stop in for a little bit on my way on, before I head out to Hampton. Who knows? Yeah, because yeah, what the the game at Hampton is at seven, right? Seven o'clock start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That might time up perfectly. You go, <laughs> you know, if that game wraps up around six, you get an hour to get to the coast. Boom. It's four game weekend. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I might think similarly. I, I'm not joking. That's you know, I've I, I missed a bunch this year because of my own personal schedule. But now that that's all freed up. What the heck? I should be able to go to a few games this weekend. All right. Well, hopefully I'll uh, I'll run into you at, at some of them, and 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 hopefully run into uh, a lot, some listeners too. Uh, feel free to, you know, yell at yell at us from the stands, um, but but only nice things, please. Um, you know. So yeah, if you are heading out to games, uh, I hope you enjoy them. Uh, dress warm. Um, I you know I'm, I'm I don't know how cold it's going to be Friday night, but I'm sure it will be because it's November. Um, you know, and if you're watching them at home, uh, enjoy those. And, and thanks again for, uh, for what's been so far been a fun regular season. And I'm, I'm hoping it just, uh, it cranks up a little bit here for the playoffs. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. Well, he is Mike Lockman. Mike, thanks again for joining me. Anytime, Joe. I'm Joe Marcellina. We will talk to you again next week.